T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What is the risk of Patrick Mahomes returning too early to the Kansas City Chiefs? And how have the... Redskins handled the Trent Williams cancer, an ugly story developing out of the nation's capital. Let's talk about all that. Plus, Tua Tagovailoa, could he return to the Alabama LSU game this weekend? Dr. David Chow with us. You know him at Pro Football Doc on Twitter. The website, profootballdoc.com. Uh, Doc, good to have you here on a Friday. Ross Tucker, is he the kind of guy that just wakes you up an hour earlier than you're normally ready. Is that the kind of friend Ross is to you? Uh, Ross is the kind of friend that not only wakes you up, says, yeah, yeah we're, and you're going to do video. It's not just audio. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. First of all, tried to get Dr. Chow on a week or so ago. It didn't work. Today is the perfect day because of Patrick Mahomes to Otongo Vialoa. I want to ask about the Trent Williams situation, Deshaun Jackson. Perfect day to have him. And Dr. Chow said he would come on at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, which, by the way, was amazing. And then he texted me and said, if you want video, let's do it now. And you look great, Dr. Chow. You got an awesome camera. Is that your computer or your phone? You look amazing. You look better than I do. Uh, just a, a computer. I, have to, I had to get the setup and everything. And uh because the kids are all asleep, I had to go to a different spot, and you know, it's all good. I'm just giving you a little bit of grief. It's all good. Well, everybody Doc. listening and watching, it's very important. If you care about the sport of football at all, you go to profootballdoc.com. It's amazing. There's nobody else out there like him. He was the team orthopedic surgeon for the Chargers. How many years, Doc? 20 years? Uh Officially 17 years, yeah, uh, 17 seasons, uh-huh. 17 seasons, and today is the day to have you on. Um, I've read your stuff on Mahomes, and I've told people and recommended that they read it as well. Fully participated in practice the last two days. It seems to be the case, Dr. Chow, that he's going to play on Sunday. I want to go all the way back to when he first got hurt against Denver and what you wrote and what lay out the whole scenario for our listeners and viewers of the injury, the options, and the route that pretty clearly the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are electing to take. Well, if you want to go back and look at it, you can go to profootballdoc.com and use player search, type in Mahomes, and all of the comments going back for the season will be on there, and you can see it without scrolling. And when he got hurt on that Thursday night a little over three weeks ago, uh, it was pretty clearly a kneecap or patella dislocation, not knee dislocation. And the uh, medical staff put it back in on the field. And it was a fairly innocuous play in terms of the quarterback sneak, not a big-time open-field contact injury. And he walked off the field. At that point, I said, well, 
here's the deal. Uh, there's no question ligaments, the medial patellofemoral ligament, are stretched, torn, or partially torn because you can't have your kneecap or any part of your body move two or three inches out of place without something, you know, being injured. And the fact that he has loose ligaments does make some sense. But in any case, on that day and on that night, I wrote an article and at profootballdoc.com that I would expect it's possible his likely return is between three and four weeks. This Sunday marks three and a half weeks, three weeks, three days, technically, I guess. And I do believe he will play and be effective. However, I still have said and maintain that the chance of redislocation is still there. I'm not saying the Chiefs are making the wrong decision. I'm saying the real, the realistic fact is that he likely will still have off-season surgery for this young quarterback to prevent the kneecap from coming out again down the road. This is the same thing Matthew Stafford did in 2009. He returned in about three weeks. Of course, they're different types of quarterbacks, right? But he came back in about three weeks and then uh, had off-season surgery and has not had any problems since. All right, so here's my question then, Dr. Chow, because I've read this and I've seen this. So you're telling me that the future of the Chiefs franchise for the next 15 years very likely needs surgery, but they are going to delay that and have him play and the knee brace is really designed to try to keep the kneecap in place. What are the risks of playing? Can you do further damage? And what percentage chance does it happen again? Because I've seen some reports out there that listed at 40, 50, 60%. Well, Jay Glazer was quoting apparently a a doctor or quoting information that Patrick Mahomes was told. And his interpretation of that was that if he played last week, it was a 40% chance of redislocation. And if he waited past 21 days, and this week it'll be 24 days, it would drop to 10 to 15%. I don't know that medically you can make numbers that specific. And it's not like 21 days it's this in 22 days, it's completely different. It's all gradual. But the point is made that there is a chance of redislocation. I've estimated, because there's no way you can know for sure, even if you examine Patrick Mahomes and see how loose his ligaments are, look at his MRI, see his Q angle, how shallow his groove is, any uh, uh, patella dysplasia and the shape of the kneecap, et cetera. Even if you knew all that with a hands-on exam, you cannot say it's 52% or 43%. It depends on what happens in-game. And, of course, the more dynamic and mobile you are, depends on what kind of hit you might take, it varies. But I have said uh, in the article and at profootballdoc.com that I believe there is about, give or take, a 50-50% chance that Patrick Mahomes will have some symptoms related to his kneecap going forward for the rest of this season, at least one occasion, either where the kneecap comes out again or whether he feels it shifting or something happens. That's in general what I feel will happen, which is why I believe he still will have surgery at the end of the season 
to correct this ongoing problem. Okay. Okay. Let's so then, so then the two questions off of that would be, how much will this affect his performance for the rest of this year while we're watching him on TV? And then how long is the surgical recovery? Because if they get to January or third round of the playoffs or whatever, how long is the recovery from this? Well, I mean, uh, I believe he's going to be surprisingly effective. First of all, the guy is almost superhuman, right? I mean, he can throw a ball out of a stadium, the whole deal. And believe it or not, the fact that he has such great arm strength has to do with his knee. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that there were, that Patrick Mahomes has, quote, loose ligaments. Yes, that is real and that exists, but the loose ligaments are all over his body, which is why his shoulder and his arm is like a rubber band, more stretchy, more rotational force, and why he's got such great arm strength. That's the upside of being loose ligamented. The downside is things like this kneecap. Uh, and yes... If he has it done in the offseason, let's say, let's be optimistic for the Chiefs and say February 3rd, he does have a chance to be ready the first Sunday after Labor Day to play. And this is without even getting into the ankle injury that clearly hobbled him prior to the knee injury. Talking to Dr. David Chow, check him out, out ProFootballDoc on Twitter as well as ProFootballDoc.com. Same case with Tua Tagovailoa, the Alabama quarterback. If he is to return for the LSU game, is there a risk that he further injures himself? Well, this is a perfect transition, and we didn't mention Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain. <clears throat> he actually had a high ankle sprain in week one that not a lot of people were talking about. If you remember, he limped through the rest of that game, and we've been talking about it on the website and on Twitter. And he won the first four games, so everyone forgot about it. But in week five and then week six, he re-aggravated the high ankle sprain. So this is the transition to Tua. No question that Tua can re-aggravate the high ankle sprain. Now, the difference here is Tua had surgery on it. Unusual. I'm not saying wrong, just unusual. And I wrote an article for the San Diego Union-Tribune. I'm sure Ross uh, is aware of this, too, in the sense that I'm not aware of an NFL athlete or an NFL team that has done surgery in a similar situation with a high ankle sprain that is not unstable. And what I mean by that is, in Tua's case, last year after the SEC championship game, he hurt the left ankle in the first quarter, played until the fourth quarter, and then had surgery on the left ankle after exiting for a right low ankle sprain. This time, he was taken off the field fairly quickly for the right ankle, diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. But we all saw him walk into an ambulance and walking full weight bearing no boot, no crutches. Let's go back to, gosh, A.J. Green, who still isn't even back, no surgery on the high ankle or tightrope surgery. Saquon Barkley, very clear high ankle sprain in-game, four to six weeks absence. He came back at four weeks was on crutches and a boot, no surgery. Matt Ryan, who's coming back this week from his right high ankle sprain, no surgery. So Tua surgery, I believe, is done more for to prevent re-aggravation, and maybe it works for that, but it's not something that speeds healing, per se. 
So I do not believe he will be 100% for this LSU game. Yeah, that, that to me is crazy that for the second year in a row, a college kid who's the presumptive number one pick had a type rope or rope surgery, whatever you call it, that no NFL players have. Like, I got to be missing something. Is this a risky surgery? It's a, Is it a new surgery? This is weird. It's not at all a risky surgery. It's a very simple surgery. And the incision for the surgery is no bigger than uh, where you could put a, fit a pencil or pen into. It's very small. It's like a one centimeter incision, very small. So the recovery from the surgery is not bad. And I think that's part of the theory why they like to do it in Alabama. It's not that big of a surgery. The procedure itself is not at all new. It's often been used for decades. And I used the tightrope or similar things. And tightrope is a proprietary name. But that type of, of uh, flexible stabilization structure is done all the time on unstable ankles. And unstable ankles you can't play football on. You can't walk on without discomfort. You need a boot and crutches or more. But stable ankles, it really hasn't been done on. And my presumption is that you can't play three quarters of big time college football on an unstable ankle. You can't walk without limping on an unstable ankle. Let's look at Matt Ryan and how he limped off, how Saquon Barkley was on crutches. And we talked about all these different examples. So it's an unusual application of a long-standing technology. And once again, I haven't said that it's wrong. I'm just calling out that it's not usual or typical in the NFL. Okay, here's my, here's my last one on Tua. The Dolphins, these teams, they're tanking for him potentially. He's the number one pick, we think, back-to-back -back years with this ankle surgery. I, don't, I know you're going to tell me he's not. How could any NFL team not feel like he's injury prone? I mean, we're going to be talking about this guy until April. If you were the team doctor for the Bengals and the Dolphins and all these teams that might draft him, what are you saying when they say, we're going to give the guy number one overall pick, future of the franchise, $40 million, and in college he has back-to-back -back ankle surgeries? Well, you can't blame him for the surgery. I mean, he's basically, you can say that he's had two high ankle sprains in two consecutive years and look at that and so forth. But any traumatic injury, it's a matter of getting hit the wrong way or getting tackled. It's not your body soft and you're injury prone. And I do not believe, of course, I have not examined Tua or gotten operative reports or seen x-rays or MRIs. But my assumption is if I were in good old Indianapolis doing the combines for almost 20 years, that I don't think he would be significantly downgraded uh, because of the ankle issues. And my final little thought or prediction on Tua is even though he's a game time decision, I mean, I wrote an article on this too. Look, I asked uh, Mark Dominic on Sirius this question when he actually was interviewing me about game time decisions a week or two ago. I said, Mark, in your time as a GM for the Buccaneers, how often was it really a game time decision versus a game time confirmation? In other words, 
how often did you really not know if this guy was going to play or not play, or or did you really have a pretty good idea out of a hundred? And he said maybe one, maybe two times they they weren't sure, you know, if he was going to play or not. But that's consistent with you. You bring a guy on the field, it's not like gee, we don't know what's going to happen. It's we kind of know he's going to play, but let's make sure. Or we really don't think he's going to, but let's make sure. So this game time decision stuff is a little bit uh, false. I think Tua's going to play. But is he going to be himself? No way. As a matter of fact, I think people will be impressed. Both Patrick Mahomes and Tua should play this weekend. And I think people will be impressed at how mobile Patrick Mahomes is, and they'll be surprised. But the risk is redislocation. And I think Tua will not be mobile, his mobile self. That Mahomes will be look, quote, a lot better in terms of mobility than Tua this weekend. And, you know, you probably heard that funny comment from Nick Saban. He's got to outrun me or something like that in order to play. <laughs> Talking to Dr. David Chow. Check him out, profootballdoc.com. Like those two mobile quarterbacks, we'll go back and forth. Now back from college to pros and left tackle Trent Williams, Washington Redskins, seven-time pro bowler placed on reserve non-football injury list ends his season and likely gets the Redskins off the hook for paying him a dime of his salary back to the beginning of it the growth six years ago on Trent Williams head turned out to be a rare form of cancer the Redskins initially diagnosed as a cyst what do you as a doctor make of the Redskins handling of Trent Williams health well, we only know so much from the outside here until you look at the medical records and so forth. So a little bit, it's reading the tea leaves. It, obviously, it sounds bad if five or six years ago they said it was a cyst and it was nothing. But if they truly said, this is nothing, don't worry about this, Trent, I would be very, very surprised. What doctors do is, I don't think this is nothing, but let's check back in three months, six months, or a year. That's what doctors typically say. And I don't know what really happened there, but that's what doctors typically say. This indeed was cancer, indeed was a dangerous form of cancer. So you have to feel for the process that Trent Williams went through. But it's a very, very slow growing cancer. And even six years later, they got it all. So that's certainly good news for Trent Williams. However, there are reports that he was told maybe to get a biopsy to determine for sure where it was and didn't. I'm not sure of those details. The bottom line is this. The Redskins have asked for an investigation. And under the CBA, I believe that's an Article 50 investigation, where the NFL appoints one doctor, the NFLPA appoints one doctor, and those two doctors appoint a third. They get to interview everyone and look at records and determine what happened. The Redskins asked for this. This certainly shows that they're pretty confident that the records and what their doctors did are on their side. I mean, if a company is opening up its books, what are the chances it's cooking its books? So that's all I can say with that. Um, in right. any case, the and, and then the final thing, and now Trent Williams apparently doesn't necessarily want that out there. And the final thought I'll have on that, and or you can ask me more about that, is for the <laughs> fire the Redskins doctors crowd, let's get all the facts. The only Redskins doctor that was there five or six years ago was James, the great James Andrews, and he was there. The current regime of doctors were not there five or six years ago. They came in about three years ago. 
So, yes, they've had a run of bad luck with Alex Smith and Colt McCoy and Darius Geis' infection, et cetera. But that's just a knee-jerk reaction to say, here's another example of the horrible Redskins staff. All right, I got two quick ones for you, Dr. Chow. Just want to get your thoughts on what's going on in these situations. First one, Cam Newton. Watched him play first couple weeks. Seemed okay to me. And now he hasn't played since. Now he's on IR. What is going on there, do you think? Well, what percentage of the time when you were in the NFL, Ross, did you play at 100%? Pretty much never. Maybe the first day of training camp? There you go. Now, the Panthers, after the high ankle sprain on week three against the Patriots, he returned to play and probably wasn't 100%. And then he had a bad week two, perhaps re-aggravated. At that point, the Panthers and Cam Newton said, both said separately, I'm not coming back and we're not bringing him back until he's 100%. That's when I said, okay, this is going to be a prolonged absence because they're waiting for 100%. It's unusual for a guy to be 100% in week 10 of a season. So if your threshold is 100%, yeah, it takes a long time. And yes, he will be fine for next season. It just 100% is a high threshold, and you've made the point for me. That's that's all I'm saying. Could he play NFL football now? Yes, I believe so. Could he play it pain-free? Probably not. Could he be 100%? I don't think so. And that's kind of where this has gone. And because they're applying, both sides, the 100% threshold, that's why even though after the second opinion and they said no surgery, at the website I was saying, I don't care. That still makes me think he's going to go on injured reserve because if the standard still is 100%, it's still multiple weeks away. All right. good. That was awesome. Last one. Deshaun Jackson, the core muscle surgery. I had that after my senior year of college. You were on this before anybody else was back in week two. The weirdest part about it to me is that he didn't have the surgery right away. Uh, I'm not aware of how that thing heals without having the surgery. So what do you think happened there? And I'm, I'm outside of Philadelphia and they want to know who to blame. And at this point, it's hard (laughs) for me to know other than Deshaun at this point, why he didn't have the surgery. What do you think happened there? Hard to say, not in the building. Obviously the Eagles have, once again, there's calls for fire the doctors. Well, the doctors have changed three times since the Super Bowl. I mean, an unprecedented move. The Eagles let their head orthopedist and the head primary care doctor go after they won the Super Bowl. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. And they've changed again since then. But in any case, it seems that the doctors may have and probably did give him the option of surgery. But you can't make a player get surgery. And here's the thing. In retrospect, it seems like Deshaun made the wrong decision. But at the time when you're saying you've never had surgery in your life in the NFL, you have this injury that it's possible to play through, perhaps best or more secure to get surgery and put it behind you, but then you're going to miss at least six weeks. But if you rehab, you might be back, but it might crop up again. He made the decision to try and rehab and play through. Now, it turns out now in retrospect, it's probably the wrong decision, but it is what it is. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I'm sure Deshaun at this point would rather have had the surgery. But I think you were presented, he was presented with options and he chose not to. 
Dr. David Chow, the pro football talk. Doc, excuse me. We appreciate you waking up early. Sorry Ross does that to you. It's stud. do not disturb. You didn't say stud. That was amazing. And you're a stud, Dr. Chow. That was Ross, awesome. we've come a long way. We've come a long way because you're Lisa doesn't know. The first time that we ever crossed paths at Sirius, you gave me a lot of grief like because I actually did a physical on Ross when I was at the Chargers. He came through. And he was giving me a hard time because why'd you have to shoot so many X-rays and do many do so many things? Oh my on gosh! So, so Dave, I, I had Dave, I had a tryout, I had a workout for the Chargers, okay? Yeah, and this yeah. was 2005 after Buffalo cut me, and I was doing the workout circuit every week. When I went to San Diego, they gave me like 12 X-rays, like anything <laughs> I had ever hurt in my life, my right knee. My back, my left hand, my neck. I mean, I, I spent, you know, I'm lucky I was able to have children after what Dr. Chow did to me <laughs> out there in San Diego. Well, let's put it this way. As I've told you before, there's two things about that. One, if we don't do that to you, that probably means it was an agent favor that you were being brought in. And we weren't <laughs> taking a serious look at you. So the team was telling me, take a serious look at you. B, in a job interview, you obviously, you, as a player, your job is to downplay any previous injuries, right? And my job is to find them. So if you were an owner, do you want me doing the physical like that or you want me just passing you through? And I hope that this amount of thoroughness that I applied to you is what we try and do at profootballdoc.com and what have you. So that's just all we were trying to do, be thorough and do our jobs uh, completely. And Ross got a little angry at me for it. And this is probably why you made, made me get out of bed today, because you're like, <laughs> I'm getting you back. <laughs> Doc, just click Do Not Disturb on your iPhone. That's how you brush <laughs> off guys like Ross at 5 o'clock in the morning out on the West Coast. We appreciate the time and much appreciate the analysis, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, get some sleep, Doc. Really interesting, enlightening information on a whole host of pivotal injuries in the NFL and college football from the pro football doc. Nobody knows the injuries better. Coming up next hour, the best player in college football, the likely number one or number two overall pick in the NFL draft suspended. Who knows? Could he be done for the season and impact a national championship? Will it impact his pro prospects? Probably not. We'll tell you why after the break. Jeremy Birmingham joins us now, and this was a major breaking news alert on the uh, the Twitterverse here, my friend. Congratulations on the breaking news. Tell us what you know about Chase Young and the suspension and what it's related to. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's uh, one of those stories that you don't really want to have to break, but... Uh... The, the the speculation kind of started earlier this week. Obviously, Ohio State playing Maryland, and Chase wasn't made available for any media. Uh, and then he wasn't at practice on Wednesday, and all of a sudden you start to put some pieces together and um, reach out to the, some, some folks and, and see what, what's what. But uh, the way it seems right now and, and confirmed by Ohio State this morning is that it's related to uh, a 2018 incident where there's some speculation that uh, uh, an agent representing someone in the NFL or an NFL agent who um, may have provided some benefits to someone in his family, and, and that's where we are. 
Well, I, Jeremy, am shocked and appalled. And frankly, I think they should just shut down college football over this. Do you mean to tell me an agent did something nice for the family of a guy that's going to be a top five pick? I, I never. I can't believe this. I guess I'm joking, of course, Jeremy. My question is, if it's from 2018, talk to me about the timing of this. Like, how does this come out now? And then how does Ohio State not release it until Friday? And I'm not even sure that I guess they released it just because you guys broke it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the truth of the matter is that we live in a time right now where, um, you know, well, if it bleeds, it leads. And this certainly bleeds for Ohio State. Are you talking about, um, you know, the number one team in the country, a potential Heisman front runner, a defensive player as the Heisman front runner? Um, and when it comes down to it, a player that um, turns people's heads and gets people talking. And there's nothing uh, in this day and age, in this news cycle, that should surprise people when it comes to, to players getting um, benefits of any kind. I mean, I think that there was actually rumors out of Baton Rouge that with Michael Divinity down there this week um, that this was a similar issue for him uh, in Baton Rouge. But uh, what you hope for here is that people understand that these kids are, um, you know, doing whatever they can to get by. And in a lot of cases, it's not even the kids themselves who are the ones that are on the receiving end of these improper, and I say that with air quotes, uh, benefits. But um, there certainly has to be some sort of, of way to mitigate these issues. And I, I don't know how you keep kids uh, and their families away from agents who have the ability to go and do anything they want, wherever they want. Chase Young's mom has been as enjoyable to watch as Chase. For those that follow the program, she's been interviewed uh, before and after games and says that she believes Chase Young should have a sack per quarter. He's pretty close with 13 and a half. Uh, We're talking with Jeremy Birmingham from Letterman Row, Follow them at Letterman Row. They're the ones that broke this story on the suspension of Chase Young. In your estimation, what's the biggest impact here, Jeremy? Is it on the Ohio State National Championship chances? Is there any impact on his draft stock? And and if he's only out these next two weeks, will it have any difference? They play Rutgers and Maryland. Well, I think, I mean, working backwards, I think that the, the length of the suspension obviously impacts a, a lot of those questions. Um, if he's only out for the Rutgers and Maryland game, then you know that uh, Ohio State should win those games without him. Uh, it certainly will derail and eliminate his Heisman uh, candidacy. Uh, will it affect his NFL draft stock? Not, not at all, because the NFL um, doesn't care about stuff like this. This isn't a character issue in their mind. Um, uh, you know, in fact, I mean, obviously the NFL, like I said, we're talking about an agent uh, the, representing someone in the NFL. Um, that is the problem. So uh, I don't think that they care about that. I think that's part of the problem. Is they, there, there isn't a concern level there as long as the agents are getting the guys that they want to sign, uh, which I'm not even sure is the case in this instance. I think it's actually probably the reason why this news has come out because uh, I think there was some, some sour grapes from a particular agent. But, um, you know, as far as Ohio State and the national championship, it's certainly – the length of the suspension dictates pretty much where things go. You're talking about the best player in the country um, as far as Chase Young goes. And 
Ohio State has a three-game stretch coming up starting on November 23rd where they're going to play three top ten teams in the country uh, in a row in, in Penn State, Michigan, and whoever they end up facing in the Big Ten title game. Um, and as the prohibitive favorite in the national college football playoff rankings, I, uh, there's no way it doesn't affect it if you lose the best player in the country. Well, you saw what Ohio State's defense was like last year in 2018, the first four games, three and a half games when they had Nick Bosa, and then the rest of the season when they didn't. Uh, it is it is almost impossible to replace a player of that caliber. Uh, and the Ohio State is as deep or and as talented as anybody in the country, especially along the defensive line. But the gap between what you get from Chase Young and what you get from other players is so uh, vast that it, there's no way to just replace it. Jeremy, don't you think, I mean, the way these things usually go, and I don't know what the impermissible benefits were, and uh, we'll find out, I'm sure, but don't you think they're going to say, okay, just the way the NCAA has worked recently with a lot of these high-profile cases, don't you think this ends up where he misses Maryland and maybe Rutgers, but then they say, okay, he had to miss two games, his mom got a jacket from this era, but he's back for Penn State. Like, I mean, I, I'm well, not asking you, but what percentage chance do you think he's back for Penn State? I guess I personally think it's pretty high. I don't think that the NCAA really wants him missing that game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that the, the reality here is that Ohio State and the NCAA and, all you know, the Buckeyes are obviously being proactive. And when it comes to NCAA policy, uh, a lot of times that gets you some good favor. Uh, if you're, you know, and you're not trying to brush things away or sweep it under the rug, um, you know, I, it is curious with the the name and image and likeness thing that came out, you know, in the last few weeks, and there is a softening stance when it comes to these players getting money. But at the same time, you just you don't know with the NCAA, you don't know with what else, you know, Ohio State's going to find. Obviously, this uh, this investigation is in its infancy, so you just hope uh, that. You know what? What you see is what you get, and that there's nothing else there. But um, you know, I, I know Chase pretty well. I've, I covered his recruitment from the time he was a junior in high school to now. Uh, I know that he's a, a good kid who um, you know works his butt off, and you just hate to see something truly special being taken away from a kid um, and, and his family because of something that he was going to be getting in six months anyway. I just it. You know, I, I, there has to be some sort of system in place to 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 take into account how these things should work because I, I don't have any specific amount of what you know has actually happened here monetarily or or whatever. But the point is, it, Chase Young is going to get paid a lot of money in six months, and uh, it seems really bizarre because everyone knows that it's not like it's a it's a subjective opinion. Um, there, there has to be some way to take that into consideration and as far as whether it's paying it back or or uh, or whether or not that lessens the uh, it, you know the, the length of a potential penalty I, I just I don't know it's such a complex issue that I, I really not sure how to how, how the NCAA sure. and Ohio State and everyone else should approach it and especially uh, interesting given where we are in the debate with the California Fair Pay to Play Act, with the NCAA at least moving a little bit on this, with 12 different states moving towards allowing players to, to benefit from their name, image, or likeness. It's a huge story nonetheless. Uh, we really appreciate the time. Jeremy Birmingham at 
Letterman Rowe on Twitter. They broke this news about the suspension of the best player in college football. Chase Young will miss this weekend's game against Maryland. We shall see what happens next for Chase Young. But, Jeremy, really appreciate the time. Excellent stuff. No problem. Thanks, guys. I think players now are looking at their future a little bit differently. They're not, like I said, they're not wearing it as a badge of honor to play these games. They're looking at it like, can I play 20 years? And the money that they make, it makes it you know, that much more important. But I kind of uh, side with you. If you have sleep, uh, sleep, sleep experts, if you have kombucha, if you have recovery rooms, you have cryotherapy, you have all these sports science people, then why can't those guys who are so smart get these players to play more games like you would think back in the day after the game they used to drink two bud lights and then jump on the plane and they'd fly commercial yet those guys were playing like 78 79 80 games how is it with everything that we have now how is it not possible for these guys to play more games but like i said i, I understand both sides of it i'm not sure it's an nba problem I, I will say this like espn and tnt they they dropped a lot of money a lot of money to to cover you know the nba and all this stuff I, I, when the, when contracts come up next time, I wonder if this is going to be a point of, of, of contention. You know, like, you know, yeah. hey, we, we pay 90, $90 million go to every single team. Just the big national deal. Not the local deal, not the tickets, not the parking, not the anything else. It's just a TV deal. And how are you like it if you're, you know, ESPN or ABC and you're going Kawhi Leonard versus Giannis and Kawhi Leonard sits out? Like, you can't be happy about that if you're an exec the ratings are going to be down so therefore you can't make as much money selling commercials yeah so scout i guess it's a two-part question but the first one is what are the rules i don't think i really understand i know dave was talking about two million bucks and balmer i'm a little confused as to what the rules are that they're yeah. trying to implement and then also i guess the second part of that is what could they do to try to make it, I gotta be honest with you, Scout. All I care about is if the game's on TV for me, like a national TV game, I, I want Kawhi playing. I don't give I don't give a shit about the other games. But like if yeah. it's the game that I can watch, I want them playing. So what can they do, especially for the national TV partners? And how early, by the way, there's like five questions, sorry. How early should they have to announce it <laughs> so that the son and the and the dad don't go to the game thinking he's gonna play? Uh, that's a good question. So I, I would always be cautious of Kawhi Leonard on the back to back. So let's start with the first question. Your first question is, what is the rule? You're not allowed to sit out and nationally televised game if you're healthy. So by Doc saying he's healthy, that's why he got fined $50,000. So the rule is you could say like he has an ailment that doesn't allow him to play back to backs. Like, you know, whatever, get a doctor's note that says he's Kawhi Leonard is not cleared to play back to backs in any uh, games this season so you can make that announcement pretty early what game he'll sit out is i don't know up to the team i guess um so you're not allowed like doc said he's healthy and that was like where you get mixed of words your second question was when you oh how can you fix this okay there is some ways to fix this for instance you have to compress more non-nationally televised games together which might end up in a weird way more back-to-backs or even three games in three nights and you and you like strategically sit guys out of a certain game so you might go hey we're just have to going to play our bench you know during one of these games and we're going to sit our starters like that that might just have to be so then therefore when you have a nationally televised game 
you take two days before the nationally televised game and then probably a day after. So you can finagle the schedule a little bit to make it you know, valuable. So when you sit down and you want to see Giannis play, you don't want to see the Bucks play the Clippers, but you really want to watch Giannis versus Kawhi. You might have to compress a lot of the other games together, which you would consider the non-nationally televised game. Like you should, this, the TV people should know we don't want to put the Clippers versus the Bucks on a back-to-back, front end or back end of that, because this is a marquee matchup. It's you think about what happened last year when Kawhi Leonard locked up Giannis Antetokounmpo for the for games, basically games three, four, five, and six. Like Giannis is going to want some payback from that. So people are going to want to circle that game on the calendar. So the TV people, the schedule people, they're going to have to like, like squeeze other places to open up that little slot where you could start hyping up that game. So there, it's not easy to do with arenas and concerts. And think about Staples Center. The Clippers are the third tenant there. And they have the Lakers one, the Kings two, and then the Clippers. So in essence, that's why Bomber's building his own building. So or his own uh, arena, so they don't get screwed on scheduling, which is Clippers, more than any other team out there, they get screwed on their scheduling. So there's a lot of things that you could do. It's not easy, and it's not going to make everyone happy, but if you really cared about those nationally televised games, you could press the other games together more and, and create some space around those. All right, I tell you one thing. We're talking to Brian Scalabrini, host of Radio.com starts at 11 a.m. just after us. Uh, NBA is far superior than the NFL when it comes to broadcasters v. athletes feuds because you you hear Mitch Trubisky, the Bears quarterback, say he basically wants all the TVs off at the Bears facility so he doesn't have to hear criticism. That's not what happens with the NBA. They watch Shaq. They watch Charles. They react to the criticism, and that happened last night with Hassan Whiteside, who you checked the box score, played outstanding last night for Portland, 17 points, 19 boards, Two block shots, albeit in a loss. And then Shaq and Barkley just blast him afterwards. Here's Shaq calling out Hassan Whiteside. If this is your contract year, ball out. Play with effort. Play. Whiteside, this is contract year. I'll be sticking up for him all the time. Me and Chuck, we only have these arguments. But tonight, he's playing with no effort. If, if well, at least he's if, consistent. If this is my contract year. And they're handing out 250, 300 million. What you think I'm gonna do, Kenny? Ball out. This guy oh, here is the biggest the guy here. On the floor right I'm now. playing with oh, shooting a fadeaway jump hook, right here. Don't block this shot. And then you let a dude hit you with a George Mikan move. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't care who he is. That's a George Mikan move right here. Damon, hooking you up, threw you alive, and what do you do? You travel on a play. Why is I gotta pick it up? So Charles Barkley added his strengths are going to the bank twice a month and stealing money. Here's Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> Here's Hassan Whiteside's reaction afterwards. Listen. Man, I expect I expect Shaq to diss. Dan killed him in a rap battle. So it ain't, I mean, we ain't gonna hear anything positive from Shaq ever again. Um, and Charles Barkley gonna pretty much go along with it. So, but you know, um, it's the tellers who have. You know, they had a bad first half. You know, um. I got two early fouls. I had two turnovers. I might have had, what six rebounds. It was a tough first half. I'm not perfect. I had better. I had really good first halves. Really bad second half. I just happened to be have a really good second half this time. But um, you know, we lost by um, we ended up losing at the end. 
So <laughs> Hassan Whiteside's having a pretty good year when you look at the uh, stats. I mean, about 15 points a game, 13 rebounds a game. Do you love the feuds? Are Shaq and Charles too negative? Or do you love the honesty? So uh, that was at halftime when those guys said that. And um, <laughs> and 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 Hassan Whiteside was awful in the first half. Like I got home right after the game. So I had the game last night, the Charlotte-Boston game. And then as soon as I got home, I flipped the game on and uh, – yeah, like Hassan Whiteside, sometimes he's just out there. Like, he's not doing anything. He's not trying to dominate. He's not playing with any type of purpose. So Shaq called him out. And isn't that the job of whoever to call out people who aren't doing, like, playing up to their potential? Like, decide, I mean, from from my perspective, and I, maybe, maybe I'm just, like, a little bit outside of this generation, but, like, I don't want to live my life where I'm, like, just, like, mailing it in. If I'm mailing it in, I want my boss or I want someone to tell me that you look like you're mailing it in. So, like, it doesn't matter if I am or not or if I turned it over or if I if I just had a bad half or whatever. Like, someone telling you you got to do a better job makes me say, like, you're right. So why couldn't Hassan Whiteside just be like, you know what? I was awful in the first half. I got to step it up or, you know, like – they, they called me out because I sucked. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But this generation of young players today, they like they think that they can make excuses for everything that is wrong. It is okay. Every successful person will tell you, like, I learn from my mistakes. I learn when I'm down, not when I'm on top of the world. But everyone tries to duck and dodge all these times when you play like shit. I don't understand why people don't own the way that they play. That is part of the deal. That is part of growing. And as soon as Hassan Whiteside realizes that he played like garbage, then he probably, at, in the first half, maybe his coach told him or maybe Dane Lillard told him, like, you got to pick this up. And he had a great second half. Because you know why? Because someone checked him. So that's part of the game. Like, getting checked is part of life. Getting checked is part of growth. And Hassan Whiteside, to me, too much mailing it in. Too much making excuses. He did the same shit in Miami. Now he's doing it in Portland. I just, I mean, I, I can't go and roll with guys that are like that. I can't go with the guys that make excuses. Dude has got a four-year, $98 million deal. But I'll tell you what, if you are going with the uh, rap battle, that's your comeback. You got yeah. to bring something better than that. Scout, we Why appreciate so the time, hard? my friend. Why is well, just real quick, why is it so hard for athletes today to own? Like, you talked about the quarterback for the Bears. Just own it, man. It's not that difficult. Just be like, man, you know what? I got to do more work. I got to do better. I got to get in the film room. Like, I blew that re that read. Like, whatever it is, just own it. Just like, I mean, that's all, me and all the advice to give you current athletes. Just own your mistakes. I'm out. I Make love it. Kombucha. Great, great advice from Scout. <laughs> Go get some kombucha. We All appreciate right. the time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.